Welcome, everybody. I'm Richard Krause. A little bit later on, we're going to talk about uh, Canadians selling cans of Canadian Air for $20. Is that something you'd want to talk about? Is that something you'd want to buy? Uh, we'll talk about that with my guests. We have uh, Tanner Zipchin here. He's um, the face of Cineplex. You see him in the pre-show. You hear him on the radio. I guess. Oh, you're on the pre-show, too, from time I am. to time. So I am. I'm not the only face. You're not the only face, but you are... <laughs> The more frequent face uh, okay. on, the, on the Cineplex Thank you. Uh, thing. Yep. Uh, Andrew Moyes is here. Uh, he is the Fan Expo uh, Headquarters Vice President. That's a long title. It is. Congratulations. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, you're here to talk about Toronto Comic Con, which is happening in Toronto this weekend at the Toronto Convention Centre. You can find out everything you need to know about it at ComicConToronto.com. We'll talk all about it in a second. And then Violet Love is here. Violet Love is a cosplay uh, person, Cos- what do you call yourself? Cosplayer, cosplay model, uh, uh, I guess. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and you're at uh, Comic Con this week. You'll be taking photographs with people and selling things. And yep, I'm there as a guest this weekend. Great, yeah. great. We'll talk all about that in just a little while. I want to talk about some stuff though uh, before we get into sort of the nitty gritty of what we're uh, what you're here to talk about. Um, Katy Perry this weekend, and this just sort of came up couple of days ago. So she's on American Idol now. She's a judge. There was a 19-year-old who had uh, played, auditioned for her, and then uh, someone joked, have you ever kissed a girl, Billy, whatever his name was? And he said, well, I haven't. I have not, I have not yet ever kissed a girl. And Katy Perry then said, well, we have to change that. And as he came over to give her a kiss, she sort of put her cheek out and then at the last second turned and kissed him on the mouth. And now he's upset because he said, I wanted my first kiss to be special. Mm-hmm. And there are two lines of thought about this online. There are those who are saying, well, it was kind of special. Your first kiss was with Katy Perry on television. Uh, there are others that are saying, well, you know, Katy Perry used a position of power. She's a judge actively judging this young man uh, and, you know, possibly forced him into doing this. So. Kissing Katy Perry on American Idol. Andrew, is it assault or is it a bit of good fun? Uh, I think there's a very fine line here. Um, Obviously, it is a bit of a case-by-case. This was a very special um, moment that this young gentleman was waiting uh, to experience. And I do think it probably went in a different direction than he was hoping. So for him, I think he probably wishes that it went the other way. And um, based on his specific situation, I would have to agree with him. Tanner? Maybe 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 uh, Lionel Richie just started this whole rumor and this whole this whole story. Maybe he's a little jealous. <laughs> yeah, that's P- right. Poor Lionel Richie. I noticed you know the new season of American Idol. He's always in the back the back corner. But uh, yeah, I mean it is you know it's a special moment and now it's kind of this publicity stunt thing. And I, I can understand that at the time, like 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 we said uh, just a moment ago, that it's maybe it seems exciting and cool. And then when it happens, you're like, well, I wish I didn't do that. I don't know that I really remember my first kiss all that well though, Violet. I mean, is this a, was it a big deal for you? <laughs> Not in a good way. <laughs> no, no. But I you do know. remember I, it. I do remember you it, do yes. Remember <laughs> it. Yeah, because yeah, I, I, I don't really, I don't think, remember it. So I, and maybe it's just a, a different thing. I didn't put a great deal of, of uh, uh, emphasis on that. Maybe I remember the first good one. <laughs> I don't know. But uh, uh, yeah, but I, I, I do think I kind of feel that that there was a, a little power dynamic going on there that if you take that out of the thing and put if Lionel Richie had kissed 
a, a, a female contestant, I think this would be a much different story. Mm-hmm. I think, too, we have to... I'm sure Katy Perry's intentions were very positive yep. as well. Um, so I don't think this was a, a malicious uh, mm-hmm. act or anything. So She's not Harvey Weinstein. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I think, you know, there's that angle as well that really, you know, she, she, she had the best of intentions. So there are some Canadians who are selling cans of Canadian air for $20. And the idea is that um, there's a lot of these around. There's a lot of people that sell like, you know, Banff air and that kind of thing. And it's a joke. You're supposed to give it to your your expatriate friends who are living in other countries or whatever. Uh, But this is actually a bit more serious. This is... Um, piped in from Banff National Park. They've got a little setup. They You get a, a jug of it, and you can use just a little bit of it at a time. And so they actually do say that, you know, this is a, a serious thing, not simply just a little pet rock or hula hoop kind of fad or gimmick. Uh, Tanner, would you spend $20? Well, you get all the good Canadian air you want yeah, for free. I, I mean, it, also, they, are they going to do flavors eventually? Like, do you like, you know, a, a Young and Dundas edition <laughs> and then do you like, you know, Fresh Alberta and then do like a, like a Dusty Moose Jaw air? Like, I think they could offer a whole line here, but... I mean, I don't, I don't know. Like, I've, I've moved from out west yeah. in Canada where you could, you know, hear I mean, you don't really see the stars at night in the, yeah. in the big city, but in, people say the air is maybe fresher out, out there than, than here. But I think you're probably right about yeah, that. It's, I don't know. It's, air is air. I don't know. You go, to, you go from here to New York. Do you notice the difference? The Canadian air? Uh, no, but, but <laughs> you know, uh, that's just me. I think, Violet, would you pay for air? Does it make you more polite? It's Canadian air. Yeah, see, it might. It might make you more polite. There's, there's any number of things that could happen with it. Yeah, I, I don't. I, I think it's just kind of a funny little thing, Andrew. Twenty. Oh, look, bucks. I think it's a great gimmick. Yeah. I mean, as someone that, you know, has family in Australia, I would certainly buy a buy a bottle and yeah. send it back to them. But, but for no other reason that they could have this thing on their shelf that says "Fresh Canadian Air." Yeah, a great conversation a yeah. piece. Yeah. Uh, you know, and a great uh, little piece of Canada to send to your friends and family that obviously don't have the privilege of. Being here every day. Yeah. And uh, breathing our delicious air. So dorm living for professionals. So you are a lawyer, you're a doctor, you have been to school for many, many years, and uh, you're now trying to make your way in Toronto. You think, okay, well, I'm going to be working. uh, I'm a resident at a hospital. Uh, And you would think at that point that you would be living on your own, you know, starting your life in a, in a much different kind of way. And the new thing in New York, and it, it will come here eventually, and in San Francisco it's happening right now, uh, cities that are very expensive to live in, uh, lawyers and doctors and things are living in dorms. And for me, I don't know. There's very little appeal to this for me. Um, Andrew, would you live in a dorm with a bunch of other people? Well, I probably have a bit of history here because I went to boarding school. So, right, you right. know, I uh, I have some memories that maybe I don't want to relive from, from those wonderful days uh, in boarding school. But... Uh, in terms of being cost effective while you're building a career, I think it's a great option if you if if you want to take it. I, I get okay. I get the cost effective part, but I would think that after you've probably just come from living in a dorm for years, maybe or living with other people sharing a house, and you're starting your career as a lawyer, the last thing you really want to do is live in a yeah, house full. If of you're people. in one of those careers, then you not just spend like thirty years in a dorm, and you're going to do another like a couple years. Come on, it's a, it's a, it takes a while to you know become one of those you know in the, one of those professions. Yep. So. Yeah, I'm not a fan of this. Violet, are you all in for dorm? You and your cosplayer friends, would you all <laughs> no. dorm up? 
I don't have enough room even for myself in my apartment, let alone other people. My cosplays take up everything. Yeah, we'll talk about that a little bit later on. <laughs> Uh, because uh, there's a, a lot of inventory that you have to have oh, yes. around in order just to do your job. So we'll get to that. So no dorm living for you. No, thank no you. No dorm living. Uh, would you sign a contract to have a one-night stand? Okay, so with everything that's happening in the world right now uh, in terms of, of uh, people coming out and accusing people of, of sexual assault, both between men and women and that sort of thing, would – the idea of a of a contract. So you've taken someone out on a date, and it feels like perhaps you're going to go back to their house, or if you met them in a bar. There's a new app that sort of has all the legalese laid out for you, and you know you take a photo of both of you, you you upload them to this app, uh, and then you sign it, and you say I I'm agreeing to this as a as as an adult. I'm agreeing that I'm going to go home and sleep with this person. Um, Violet, is this something that I think that if there is ever a thing as a as a mood killer, I think that pulling out your phone and saying, uh, "Can you know, before we go and before you take your pants off, I think we should look at this." Unfortunately, there's also a bit of a pitfall there where it takes away the option to change your mind. Yeah. So exactly, it sounds like a good idea on paper, but in real I don't life. know. If, I don't know if anyone would use it. No. I, I certainly wouldn't use it. Andrew, would you uh, feel? I don't think so. I mean, the romance is dead for me as soon as you kind of create that moment. And I think you're right, Violet. As the mean, lawyers get involved, yeah. <laughs> uh, I think you're right. I mean, once you sign that document, you know, circumstances can change and, and the feel and the mood of the moment can also change on a second-by-second -second basis. And once this contract is signed, then... You know, do you have to do it? Exactly. We've I mean, signed the contract. If you're going to sign, definitely read that fine print. Yeah. I mean, and as I say, that kills the moment when you've got to say, look, give me an hour to just review the fine print here. <laughs> Tanner? Just picture like a bunch of college kids being like, how'd your date go last night? And then he pulls out the contract. <laughs> oh! Not so well. Yeah. Or maybe really well. Yeah. I don't know. Um, we're just going to uh, take a minute or so to discuss this. Uh, maybe we'll come back in the next segment. But uh, top Hollywood women have launched uh, an anti-harassment plan. This is, you know, not really big new news. Uh, we've got inclusion riders now that are happening, all that sort of thing. Do you think that will it will actually change the way that business is done, though, Tanner? Uh, yeah, it's. I mean, it's it's tough to say if, if we'll ever, you know, if this if this will change and people will, you know, talk about change. But Don, what are your like? Do you what do you think on that? I, I do think that we've already seen change. Um, I I do think that uh, this is one of those occasions where uh, conversation about things. People always say, you know, these movements start with conversation, and this is one of those uh, times when it actually does seem to be working. People are aware of it. I think that not just in the in the movie business, but uh, in I work in a lot of different places. I work in a television studio north of here. I work here. I've got a, 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 another office I go to for uh, some newspaper stuff that I do. And the atmosphere in all those places. Do you think it's just I, – I, I think so. And I think that there's another generation that's coming mm -hmm. just on the heels of all this that, that will uh, – that this will be the way that they know business is done. That's true. So, yeah. uh, we'll come back and discuss all of that in just a little while. Um, we have with us Fan Expo Headquarters Vice President Andrew Moyes, Tanner Zipchin from Cineplex, and uh, one of the Comic-Con or Toronto Comic-Con uh, cosplay guests, Violet Love, is here. If you want to find out more about Toronto Comic-Con, go to ComicConToronto.com. Stay with us. 
Welcome back, everybody. I'm Richard Krause. A little bit later on, uh, we are going to talk about your addiction to your cell phone. Can you put your cell phone down? How many times have you checked it since I've been saying this sentence? We'll get to that in just a little while. With my panel guests, we have from Fan Expo, the vice president, the headquarters vice president. Is that what it is? HP Fan. I mean, Fan Expo now is all across North America. Right. It used to just be Toronto with our show in September and then, of course, the show coming up this weekend uh, for March break. But now we produce shows, uh, about 12 shows all across North America, wow. Canada and the U.S. So that's why we've changed it to Fan Expo HQ because right. it's such a bigger force now. We'll talk all about that shortly. Uh, that was the voice of Andrew Moyes. T Tanner Zipchin is here. You know him from uh, Cineplex. You know him as the voice of uh, the voice in the face of the pre-show. Um, where? What have you been up to lately? Where have you been lately? You're on the road a lot. Yeah, I, I'm all over. I mean, we had Peter Rabbit recently, and you know the Tomb Raider stuff that I think you, I saw you there as well. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited because this weekend I'll be actually hosting panels at uh, Toronto Comic Con. So. I'll get to see some, you know, old friends and make some new ones on stage and then meet some people, of course, in the in the crowd if they come up and say hi afterwards. And yeah, excited to, to get out there and do that. We will discuss all about that a little bit later. Uh, and then one of this year's cosplay guests uh, at the Toronto Comic-Con, Violet Love is here. Welcome. <laughs> Thank you. So for people who don't know what cosplay is, tell me what cosplay <laughs> is. Uh, cosplay, I guess, is the next step up from dressing up at Halloween like you did right. as a kid. Um, it is embodying your favorite characters from comics or movies or games or what have you. Uh, but maybe taking it a step further, you're not just dressing up, you're trying to become the character. Um, and it's gotten really, really big. It, it is big. It yeah. is huge. Um, what was your first kind of foray into it? What was the, the first time that you did it and went, ooh? Uh, uh, good. There was two different times. Uh, once when I, I think it was 13, uh, and my costume was a a very bad wig and I think just a different color t-shirt that I normally wear because that was the character. Yep. Uh, and then the first time I really cosplayed was actually at Comic-Con uh, Toronto in about, I think, 2014 and uh, just fell in love with it immediately. And tell me about some of the characters that you would uh, dress up and play. Um, a tradition, or my first couple of characters, I've always been a DC fan, so I did um, uh, Catwoman from the Batman Returns movie. Right. The, so it's very specific. Yes. These things, yeah. And the <laughs> details are very important. Oh right? yes, yeah. yeah. All right. So, so from Batman Returns, that's Michelle Pfeiffer, right? Yeah. So, yeah. The Michelle Pfeiffer Catwoman, and who else? Oh God, there, there's a lot. There's yeah. there's a there's a lot. Right now, I'm I because it just came out. I'm working on uh, the Tomb Raider as well, so I'll be Lara Croft for this convention. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure a thousand other girls will be too. Yep. and and it's a good movie too. Yeah, so, I'm excited to yeah, see it. Yeah, yeah, you'll enjoy it. So, um, do you make all the costumes? Is that part of this thing? Not for everyone. I do. Um, yeah. I'm a seamstress, so I make all of my own costumes. Wow. Uh, I try to build all my own props, but that's not required or anything like right. that. Uh, I'm also a costume maker, so I tend to make a lot of costumes for other cosplayers as well who don't have the same skill level but still want to cosplay. And for something like the, the, the Catwoman thing, that's a fairly involved costume and detailed because mm -hmm. you said it's from, you know, it's from Batman Begins? No, Batman... Batman Returns. Batman Returns. Yeah. Um, and so... What's different about that than any other than the Halle Berry Catwoman? Oh goodness, <laughs> um, that one. I mean, the the fabric itself is very different, but the Michelle Pfeiffer version has so much detail in its hand stitching. She 
she makes it herself. Yeah, the story is that she makes the suit herself out of an old, it's funny, it's an old leather jacket and it turns into a latex cat suit in the movie, but (laughs) (laughs) magic of cosplay. (laughs) And how long would it take to make something like that? Uh, Throughout the years, it's gotten less and less in in hours, but uh, anywhere from a day to a month to six months, it really depends on the, the size of the build. And props, so you have it's it's you have the whole nine yards. You'll have ooh, Catwoman. What what props does she have? She doesn't really have many. She doesn't. No. But others do. Well, yeah. Tomb Raider, I had to make the pickaxe, the uh, the red axe that she carries around. I had to make that out of foam. So that was a, a journey. <laughs> <laughs> and and so what happens? And so people can come and meet you. Mm-hmm. And and you take photographs. And and what 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 does it mean to be a cosplay guest at uh, Toronto uh, Comic Con? Uh, typically, it's most of us in the community who have amassed like a large following, mm-hmm. um, a lot of locals who want to come and buy photos or prints or take pictures together or just meet us in general. Uh, so I was a guest at Fan Expo last year, and it is typically just a lot of people coming up buying their favorite print for of my, my costumes. Right. Uh, I just talk to a lot of people. It's mostly just getting to know all these people who sort of follow me in the community. And and they can follow you on Instagram and, mm-hmm. and all that sort of thing. What's your Instagram handle? Instagram and Facebook are both Violet Love Cosplay. And you uh, and photographs of you and, and, and dressed up. And the, what's mm-hmm. your favorite? You said Catwoman. What are some of your other favorites? Uh, some of my favorites, I did uh, a Wonder Woman and a Hippolyta build last year, and I was really proud of those. They were... Uh, Fairly labor intensive. Yeah, yeah, with the armor and that yes, sort of thing, right? Yeah. And and what's that made? Is that foam or mm-hmm. yeah? Yeah, entirely foam. <laughs> wow, wow. And uh, how long? I mean, this is something that you could do for the rest of your life if you wanted to. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, yeah. And the characters change and and grow. And and will you? Do you ever create your own characters, or is it always from movies and television and comics and things? Uh, sometimes I'll do my own takes on characters. I've got one that I'm bringing with me that is. Uh, Princess Mononoke, uh, yeah. an old anime movie. Uh, an old my, anime an movie. An old anime movie. I believe that was from 1995, <laughs> wasn't it? Well, I was, it's old for me. <laughs> um, but not everyone knows that. I know, I know. <laughs> yeah, I'm doing my own version of that. I wanted to do a, a take that was more if she, live action. Like if it was a live right. action movie, what would it look like? Real. Yeah, yeah, instead of anime. Exactly. Yeah. And um, is there details that we need to know? Is there a booth number? Do we know how people can find you at, at Toronto Comic Con, or would they just have to look for Lara Croft? Uh, well, and there will be a lot of there them. There will so, be a lot yeah. of them, so good luck. <laughs> uh, I'm going to be at, at a booth that's uh, next to a whole bunch of other cosplay guests and artists and whatnot. Uh, we're not inside of Artist Alley. We're on right. the outside. Uh, I believe my booth's number is 63. See, that's, that's, those are the details <laughs> that people need to know. You can go see Violet Love at the Toronto Comic Con, booth 63. Yes. And uh, is it just one costume all weekend or many? I've got one each day, so three different ones. Three different mm-hmm. costumes. And, uh, and check it out. It sounds really cool. So Violet Love, Toronto Comic Con, booth 63. When we come back, we'll continue uh, talking about Toronto Comic Con with Fan Expo HQ Vice President Andrew Moyes and Tanner Zipchin. You know him from the Cineplex pre-show. He'll also be hosting some events at Toronto Comic Con this year. Uh, You can stop by and get to meet him and see what he's all about. Uh, We'll talk about that and if you're addicted to your cell phone when we come back. Stay with us. Welcome back, everybody. I'm Richard Krause. A little bit later on, we're going to talk about cell phone addiction and will sex robots advance sexual liberation? Who knows? 
Maybe the panel does. The panel is Fan Expo HQ Vice President Andrew Moyes. We'll talk about uh, Toronto Comic Con happening this weekend at the Toronto Convention Centre. Uh, if you want to know more, go to ComicConToronto.com. Tanner Zipchin is here. You know him from Cineplex. Also, you can see him this weekend at Toronto Comic Con. And one of this year's cosplay guests, uh, Violet Love, look for her in Booth 63, dressed as Lara Croft on one of those days. And uh, do you look for stuff? Because Lara Croft will just have opened the mm-hmm. day before that, you, that you're uh, dressed uh, like her, do you look for something new all the time like that, or is it? Are there classics that you always go back to? It's whatever speaks to me. Yeah. Uh, it's not even the movie really that got me. It was I just replayed some of the uh, the last couple of games and fell in love right. a little right, bit right. more. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Tanner, what are you doing there at the Toronto Comic Con? I'll be uh, hosting panels out on the main stage uh, all day Saturday, so it'll be a lot of fun, and I'll be out there with guests like Eugene Braverock and Mara Wilson, of course, from like Matilda fame, and right. uh, Chrissy Swanson. I'm a big Buffy fan growing up with Buffy, so I'm excited for that, and uh, Seth Gilliam from uh, Walking Dead. So, Oh, cool. Yeah. And you've hosted a million of these things, and, and what kind of uh, interaction do you get with the crowd? Because I do find that the, the Comic-Con and Fan Expo audiences are a little different than they might be if you were doing something outside of that. They're enthusiastic. They are totally in love with the people that are on the stage with you. It's such a, a great audience to be in front of, especially, like you say, these people are there for all the same cause. They're all there because they, they love this person on stage. Yeah. So you've already won the audience over. There's no, it's not like you're, you know, hosting a, a bar event where there's that guy in the back that's like, be quiet, I'm done with, <laughs> so everyone's there and they're, they're there because they love it, which is amazing. Yeah. And I always love to see, uh, especially for first time guests at, at shows, the reaction they get to the crowd because, yeah. you know, as an actor, you don't really see the people that you're, you know, reaching all the time. You're on a closed set and you do your thing and you do a little bit of a press tour, but to walk it on stage and to see you know hundreds and sometimes thousands of fans that are all there because your work has affected them and then for those people to then see you know people coming to their tables and they're getting autographs or they're wearing t-shirts like that's the cool you know magic of it all and I always love the fan questions and how involved some of them are and I love what sometimes when the guests get stumped too because they they're like they don't recall that specific yeah. episode from like the fourth season that That's was right. like thirty episode years three ago. of the yeah. So yeah, what yeah. were you thinking when you got on the <laughs> ship? He's like, I don't remember that. I don't. But sometimes they're they, it's it's funny because sometimes the guests will be honest and be like, oh, I you know I I avoid that or I I haven't watched my show in years. And, yeah, yeah. But it's like it's it's you know you got you got to keep them you know on their toes. I loved at Fan Expo last year. I hosted a panel with uh, Columbia and Magenta from the original Rocky Horror Picture Show. It's amazing. And it was so fun. It was so fun. Not only were they both just absolute pleasure, Little Nell and, and uh, what's her name? Um, the other person's name is escaping me right now. But they were so fun. <laughs> but Patricia the, Quinn. I Patricia Quinn. And the audience, though, uh, you come out and it was in one of the larger theaters. There were six, 700 people there, I think. And I would say... Five or six hundred of them were dressed as Little Nell and Columbia from the Rocky Horror Picture Show. And so you knew the audience is on side. They wanted to hear stories. And then the questions were incredibly detailed, but totally fun. I loved every second of that one. Yeah, and I love what you can do. You know, for me, I can have fun. Because a lot of times, you know, when I do interviews for what I do, you know, with, with the pre-show, it's, it's always tied to a film. And we get, you know, we got to keep it around kind of that. But now I can talk to people and I can talk about, you know, their careers. And I can talk about really, you know, cool things that I want to know. I want to know... You know, maybe I've read their book, but there's some, you know, holes I want filled in. And it's my time to kind of pick their brain. And usually we'll start every panel with a little, you know, we'll do a little kind of one-on-one interview. And then we'll throw it to audience questions. So, yeah, it's uh, it's you never know which way these things are going to go. And that's what I love about it. And 
what movies? So you work for Cineplex. What have you seen lately that you really liked? Uh, I guess the what's let's see what we got Tomb Raider this week. So yeah. I got to see that. Uh, I just got to see a uh, Quiet Place yesterday, actually. Yeah, I wish I to talk about that or not, but I don't I, know I, if you're supposed to or not. <laughs> uh, well, uh, anyway, Ready Player One. But that's uh, the that's yeah. the we're not allowed to talk about that either. <laughs> that's the uh, not until it comes out. Um, the, the A Quiet Place is the John Krasinski film. Yeah, which Emily he also Blunt. directed and yeah. was involved with the screenplay. And one interesting thing I noticed during the credits was that Michael Bay produced it, mm-hmm. which which is funny because it's the exact opposite of a Michael Bay movie. Yeah, because really nothing happens There's, and it's well, very the, quiet. It's yeah, Michael Bay and Quiet don't go together. Yeah. Apparently, it's about a family who uh, this nemesis, this enemy, is attracted by sound, so they Mm -hmm. they have to be very quiet. And apparently, the original screenplay only had one word of dialogue in it. That's changed a little bit. There's a there's a few lines in in the film, but I remember I I know having seen it, it was like quite some time before anyone really says says anything, but. It's it's cool because you 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 experience the movie through the through the ears of the characters. Yeah. So it's it really brings you in. And it's such a quiet movie. So my advice is if you go and see it, make sure you have like a, a nice lunch beforehand because it's like it was like I saw <laughs> it early, early quickly, in the morning and yeah. it was yeah it was like stomach growling and then yep. you could you could you could hear the audience more than you could hear the movie. So just just don't just save yourself the embarrassment. If you want to see Tanner Zipchin at uh, Toronto Comic Con, uh, check out his schedule at comiccontoronto.com. It's at the Toronto Convention Center uh, until Sunday. You'll be in there all three days. I yeah, imagine. we'll be hanging out all day, hanging around, making it happen. Um, cell phone addiction. Are you addicted to your cell phone? I'm looking at you, Violet. You <laughs> are the youngest person on the panel. You haven't checked your phone since you've been here. But would you typically, in this amount of time, how many times do you think you would have checked your phone? Uh, at quite a few. I don't know if it counts as addiction though, because it's my business on the phone. You see, so <laughs> that, that makes it different. Yeah, it does. Uh, Andrew. Well. I am addicted to my cell phone. Yeah. You know, I'm just going to confess it. Um, I also now have the watch that pushes you. I know. Your... And, and the watch, <laughs> I loved my Apple watch when I first got it. Uh, and it sort of, if you don't have one, it kind of taps you. It gives you a little, mm. when when something's happening, when you get a message or the, the messages that I'm starting to resent are the, keep it going today. Walk another five <laughs> steps. You know, that's sort of, I, I don't need to be judged by my phone. But uh, it, it, so what it does is it just connects you one step more by tapping you. It reminds you, check your phone, check your messages. And it's kind of, I think, making me a little bit more addicted. I would Dinner? totally agree. Yeah, because yeah. the, the good thing with you know having a phone, you can just sometimes put it on silent and put that thing away. But yeah. if it's on your your wrist, it's it's like having a personal assistant that's always like tapping you on the shoulder, being like, hey, you just got a message. You got to reply to this email. Yeah, no, I'm, well, and is it different though? Cell phone addiction, what we talk about, you know, people living online and, and, and reading everything online. Then when, you know, we used to like take the subway in the morning and everyone would have a newspaper or a book. I mean, I don't know if it's that much different. We've always looked to distract ourselves somehow. Now we just have a machine that we can hold in our hands that offers up everything in one, you know, in one handful. Well, I mean, we're just so connected now. And I think the culture has changed. Um, you know, it's certainly from a business standpoint, we're pretty much on 24-7. Yeah. The nine to five is a bit of a thing of the past. You know, it was interesting recently, I was reading an article where they were talking about uh, different out of office um, <laughs> sort of r- reminders. And there's this new out of office that uh, says, thank you for your email. Um, I'm out of the office until such and such a date. Um, 
I won't respond and this your email will be deleted. So yeah. be in touch with me when I get back to the office. And, I kind of uh, love that. Yeah, it's great because it puts the onus back, you know, and on on the on the sender, and also means that you don't arrive back to the office with three, four hundred emails. Yeah, yeah. Now, Violet, if someone, if you text someone, and they don't text you back right away, how long is it acceptable to wait before you? think that they're dead or think, you know, think that something's wrong or get angry about it? Uh, I think it depends on the person. I, I have a friend that I text once maybe a month. Right. We'll text you know, back and forth uh, constantly in one day and then one of us will forget and then the next month we'll just pick up the conversation <laughs> right. again. So it doesn't right. really bother me that much unless there's a deadline. Yeah. If I need to get in touch with you for something that I need to know about right now, I need you to respond right now or I'll get angry. <laughs> my, my mind automatically goes to the worst stuff. I had a, a business thing happen recently where I emailed someone and I didn't hear back for like two days. And I thought, well, their building is burned down. There's been a car crash. They've got cancer. What's <laughs> happening? I don't know. And then, of course, it was just like, oh, yeah, I know. I didn't see the email. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, man. I hate that though. Uh, so many people that are so bad at emails. You send like you you, you see them in the hallway, and they're like, "Oh yeah, I'll get, I'll give me another day." And then yeah. it's like another month goes by, and I'm like, "You know what? It, it was it was a Christmas related thing, and now it's June, <laughs> so you know what? The party's already over. So it's not. Let's forget about it." When we come back with the panel, uh, we're going to continue talking about Toronto Comic Con. You can find out all about it at ComicConToronto.com. We're also going to talk about sex robots. Stay with us. Welcome back, everybody. I'm Richard Krauss. In studio, we have a group from Toronto Comic Con. It's happening at the Toronto Convention Centre in Toronto this weekend. Uh, if you're not here, if you're listening somewhere else in the country, come here. Come visit with us. Hang out. You'll see uh, and meet some interesting people. Uh, to find out all about it, go to ComicConToronto.com. And we're here with Tanner Zipchin. You know him from Cineplex. He'll be hosting a number of panel discussions at the uh, festival. One of the year's cosplay guests, Violet Love, is here. And then Fan Expo HQ Vice President Andrew Moyes is here as well. Andrew, one of the things that I love about uh, Fan Expo and then by extrapolation the, the Toronto Comic Con is that within – the the groups of people that go, there's a real sense of community. And I have always loved uh, going there because people, whether they are dressed up or not, people, whether they have an arm load of comic books under, you know, one arm or not, uh, it's a really kind of cool vibe that is in the room. It's massive and there's thousands of people there, but you, you there, there's a real sense of community that happens. Yeah, I mean, Fan Expo is very inclusive. And I think that's what's wonderful. It's a melting pot of different genres, people with different fandoms and, uh, you know, some great friendships, some marriages, relationships. <laughs> they all grow out of uh, Fan Expo. We've seen it all. We've, we've had marriages at the show before. Have you? Yeah. And as you say, there's a lot of people, um, but there is a culture of lining up and waiting to meet your hero or the comic creator. And it's in those lines where those friendships are fostered. You know, you find yourself standing next to someone that's dressed as Catwoman and you can't help but, to, <laughs> you know, start a conversation and share your passion. I mean, we're so lucky to have so many passionate followers. It's really why we do do it. It's why we work year-round to to provide the ultimate fan experience. Yeah, so I remember Fan Expo in its early days as being not small, but in one place, and it was you know two or three days and and busy. But but 
now it's changed a great deal, and you hinted at this earlier. What's happening with uh, Fan Expo right now? Well, I mean, Fan Expo HQ is now a much bigger uh, company. You know, we activate shows in Orlando. We activate shows in Dallas, uh, Boston, uh, but it all started here in Toronto. Yeah. You know, Aman Gupta, our founder, started Fan Expo in the basement of a hotel, and now it takes up the entire Metro Toronto Convention Center. Yeah. And how we'll- many people is that? Like, how many people will pass through over the weekend. We welcome over 130,000 people that over the weekend. a lot of people. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, Fan Expo Canada is the third largest in North America. Yeah. So you've got San Diego that is the grandfather and that's where it all started. Then you've got New York Comic Con. And then we're so proud of the fact that number three yeah. is right here in Toronto. And what's great about that is that we can, you know, develop relationships with top tier talent, you know, um, to, to bring in people that you just won't see anywhere else but in your national show here in Toronto. Right. And get a chance to meet them. Get a chance to meet them, get an autograph with them, get a photo op, um, you know, go and see a panel with them and, and hear the behind the scenes stories, ask those questions about that moment in the film that you've always, you mm-hmm. know, had a burning question about how did that happen or what were you thinking in that moment? And that's what's great about Fan Expo too. It's those unexpected moments. You know, you all, you, you kind of know you're going to have the opportunity to meet your hero or, or have a photo op. But when you're sitting in the panel and someone walks in that you're not expecting or a story comes out that you never imagined you know you'd hear that that's really what's exciting i hosted at fan expo this year i hosted a panel with uh, some walking dead people and it was just cool sitting on the panel and looking into the audience and it was all zombies in the audience (laughs) like this is awesome i really loved that um who can we expect at Toronto Comic Con? Well, we have some great guests. Marina Sirtis, of course, from Star Trek, is is a nostalgic, you know, fan yeah, favorite. Yeah. Uh, Juna Suatamo is coming, the new Chewbacca. So that <laughs> well, is, you know, super <laughs> exciting to have him. Anything Star Wars, yeah, uh, yeah, is, yeah. is is just resonates so much. Uh, we have Canadian treasure um, Megan Follows with us. Mara Wilson. I mean, really, the list goes on. If you're into comics, we have some awesome comic creators, and of course, Violet, and you know, some some key people from the cosplay community are going to be with us as well. Um, the 501st is another great activation. So I don't know if you're familiar with the 501st, but they are a legion of Star Wars oh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. fanatics. Yep. And um, so they they produce movie-quality costumes. They're going to have a life-size version of um, uh, Jabba the Hutt. Jabba, wow. So, uh, you know, great to get down there and have a photo. Again, for the kids, we're, we're in March break. Yeah. So we're now seeing a new generation of Star Wars fans. So for the g- kids to be able to come and have a photo with uh, Darth Vader or the Stormtroopers, I mean, it's really a magical moment to see. And this is all just free with, with the price of admission. That's really something. So um, tell me a little bit about, um, you know, some of the stories that have come up over the years. You mentioned people getting married and and all that stuff. Tell me about some of the stuff that people might not expect. Well, I mean... One thing I always like to say is that costumes are not required. Right. You know, um, there there is a bit of a myth that you have to come down and everyone's dressed up and, and you see, you know, stormtroopers on the subway and you say, oh, yeah. well, it's fan expo time. You know, again, as we started out, it's really a very, very inclusive place. There's a, there's a spot for everyone. Um, more and more I have families come up to me and say, wow, I didn't realize that there was going to be, you know, uh, hours of programming for the kids or really a place for the whole family to enjoy. So um, the great thing about Toronto, Comic-Con this weekend is that it's just a taste of the big show, right. you know, so you can come out and sort of try 
fan expo light, if you will. Get a bit of a, a little bit of a taste of it, and then you'll be ready to come and try the big the big show in September. Yeah, the big show in September really is something. It's extraordinary, and again, yeah. that's you know third largest in North America. That's where you're going to see people that probably you never imagined you'd be able to sort of walk up to the table and say, "Look, you've really Mark inspired Hamill. me." Yeah, yeah, Mark Hamill. Mark Hamill was there last year. Yeah. Stan Lee. Yeah. You know, I mean, we're talking heavyweights. And Toronto Comic-Con is happening this weekend at the Toronto Convention Centre. To find out all the details that you might want to know who's going to be there and admission and all that sort of thing, and probably buy tickets too, right, online, at uh, comiccontoronto.com. So sex robots. Um, I've been teasing this for a little while. So people uh, are suggesting now that with advances in technology, both in hardware and in artificial intelligence, that sex robots might become a thing that will be not only more widely used, but, you know, for uh, people who are lonely and loneliness is uh, second only to depression, apparently, in, in, in uh, uh, people's lives these days, uh, that sex robots might be one of the answers. Uh, I'm unconvinced. Tanner, I, I, as a Terminator fan, I'm I'm, I'm worried <laughs> when they become self-aware and That's like right. this could be the end of the world here. I don't I don't know, but isn't that already not happened? I I've read something about a an art like a there was a robot. Oh, there's a bunch of them out in the world already. Yeah, and but there's there was a robot they've already built that is like already starting to get an attitude and whatever. So you got to be careful what you put into these things. Well, Alexa, do you, does anyone here have Alexa? No, Alexa uh, is laughing now at people. If there's an evil kind of witch laugh coming out of this this little computer that you have in your home. And apparently, Alexa, when you say, like, uh, I'd really like to see, I don't know, pretty in pink, uh, you know, can you, find, uh, can you find a streaming service that has it? Alexa will occasionally, if it doesn't approve of the movie, go, you really want to watch that? You don't really want to watch that, do you? So, yeah. That's, it's like, that's it's, too much. Yeah, it's but, like it's kind of you're being judged by your hardware now. And the people are also, you know, marrying like these these dolls and these robots and these things too. So like, they're, they're, it's a weird it, your idea of a relationship. You know, can kind of really you know skew that too. Is like maybe you detach yourself from humanity a little bit. We are in an era of disruption. So I don't know, Andrew. Well, look, I think the trains left the station. I don't <laughs> think we're, I don't think we're going to stop it. And I guess when it comes to the bedroom, I'm very much live and let live. Yes. Um, but. Uh, I think based on what's available already, I think this is just the next step. We're not going to stop it. So each to their own. Tipping. Uh, there's a lot of restaurants now that have tried uh, raising their prices slightly so they can pay their staff more and 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 eliminate tipping, thinking that it's something that it would appeal to people. And it's been tried, and, and it's not working very well uh, in North America. Andrew, you grew up in Australia, though, right? People don't tip in Australia, right? No, very it, different culture. Yeah, tip. it's very different culture. And do people get paid more? Do bartenders and waiters and things get paid more? They do, on average. Yeah. You know, definitely growing up, I had jobs in bars. I had retail jobs. And by comparison, what I've seen in Canada, that I was better paid than than the job market here Yeah, in so the tipping wasn't, wasn't part of your way. It just wasn't it. a thing. And it's something I had to learn, you know, when I came to North America, uh, as well as the tax added on too. Yeah, you know, yeah, there's yeah. a few cultural shifts there with that. And, um, you know, it's it's just so so deeply ingrained in the culture and uh, that uh, it just becomes habit and um, it's part of the culture. Okay. We've just got a minute. So I'm going to just throw out a couple of things here about when to tip and when not to tip. And I'm just curious what you guys think. Uh, takeout. Do you tip on takeout? Violet? 
I tip on everything. Yeah, so do I. <laughs> yeah, so do I. I worked in bars for years, and so I do tend to tip on on everything. Uh, Tanner, do you tip on uh, taxis? Yeah, I, I mean, I think anytime anyone's doing going out of their way for you or doing anything for you, I I I, I tip. Like yeah. I, that's kind of how I gauge it. Yeah, I do too. Um, Andrew, I don't know if this is going anywhere. Andrew, do you tip on everything? I don't tip on everything, yeah. but I definitely appreciate that above and beyond. Yeah. And that's yeah. what, you know, maybe it's my Australian culture that I still am not uh, right. tipping on everything, but uh, I really appreciate that above and beyond. And that's where you gauge, I guess, to the range as well. Yeah. Yeah, the percentage, also... like I never know, too, I'm kind of, yeah. what, what is the right percentage, right. too, and when. It's also included in a lot of things now. I found it like is. a lot of like, restaurants now will just include it on the bill, and sometimes they don't tell you. And I've done that before, where I've like you double I've double, double tipped. Yeah. Like, yeah, you got me again. Yeah, you got to check. Yeah. <laughs> if you're not going to Toronto Comic Con on Saturday night, stay in and watch my new television show. It's called Pop Life. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Is this too shameless for you, Dan? <laughs> no, I mean, he's last channel. Then again, at midnight on CTV this week, Denai Guerrero stops by uh, to talk about. Uh, Black Panther, how she chooses her roles, and her work as a playwright. This is a little snippet from that interview. It's Denai talking about how she chooses her roles. I was asked this about what roles I pick, stories I tell. I mean, that's things that just consume me and fill me with anything from outrage to, you know, extreme joy, and I have to tell that story. But with the, the, play, the pieces that I pick as an actor, that has to do with me really feeling a great excitement around a role, like something that grips me in a way where I'm like, I have to be a part of telling that story and I cannot believe, I'm so excited that someone's put the story to, to the page and mm -hmm. is putting it to the screen. And so that's really where it has to come from. I have to have almost like a childlike giddiness <laughs> about telling a story and that's when I know that I have to, to take that role. That was Denai Guerrero. You know her from Black Panther and she's Michonne on The Walking Dead and that was me going, mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. And laughing all the way through that. If you want to see the entire interview, uh, check it out on Pop Life, 8.30 on CTV News Channel, midnight on CTV on Saturday night. Uh, thank you all for being here, Tanner, Andrew, thank Violet. You. Thank you. Toronto Comic Con is happening uh, right now at the Toronto Convention Centre, ComicConToronto.com for more details. Thank you for listening, and thanks to Andre on the board. We'll see you next week.